Hey guys, it's Blush Cameron here with a new episode of my new podcast. Um, today's episode is with my good friends Isaac and Fred from the band Strange Ranger. Uh, I love this band, and I love all the people in it. Uh, I met them because our friend Dylan would book shows in Michigan and put me on the bill with Strange Ranger so we'd play together and hang out after the show and it was always a really great time. Uh, I think we hit it off pretty well and just kept in touch after that. I think that was like 2017 or something like that. Um, And then in the fall... The summer or fall of 2018, Fred and Isaac really helped change my life by inviting me to move with them to Philly. Um, I was thinking about them one day and DM'd them, like, yo, hit me up next time you're coming through Michigan, let's chill. And they said, actually, we're moving to Philly and you should come. And I said, well, all right, that sounds good. (laughs) And it was good. We moved to Philly in November 2018. Uh, We talk about this a bit on the pod. Uh, But those first few months were so awesome and exciting, and I'm really glad to have that experience with them. Uh, Neither of our bands were doing anything because we were still waiting for the rest of their crew to make it out, and none of us had girlfriends around or jobs, so it was just like chilling all the time. We'd go to shows and parties, and um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, And I think Strange Ranger is an amazing band that puts out amazing songs and they work super hard and they're very dedicated to what they do and I admire them for that. Um, I think so many bands are complacent and have no ambition, (laughs) but that's definitely not the case for Strange Ranger. So after this intro, there's about 15 minutes of us shooting the shit and fucking around, so if So if you're not interested in hearing Fred read a letter addressed to me from the Jehovah's Witnesses that was uh, mailed to our Philly house, which I no longer live in the Philly house, but Fred is still getting some of my mail, hence the Jehovah's Witness letter in his possession. Um, If you're not interested in that, we talk about pretty much everything after that. So (laughs) just uh, skip ahead, I guess, if you don't want to hear that. Um, yeah, we talk about everything from their early beginnings, getting into music, and them in Portland up until now, and we talk about all the albums, and you know how it is on this podcast, what I do. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I think this is one of the best episodes, and it's a great one to cap the show off for a little while. I think I will probably do more episodes of this podcast someday maybe when shows start happening again and i can go out and meet people i'll feel inspired to do it but mm, yeah i'm just going to take a break follow me at blush cameron wherever you usually follow people and keep in touch with me that way um Okay, here's the show. Bye. I've given up love. I've given up wanting love. But I could count the ways I wanted you. I would get so lonely not being online. I don't understand. Well, see, being online makes me makes me feel bad a lot of the time. Yeah, me too. I mean, it does that as well. That's just such a funny thing. Like, to me, like, the internet...
like absolutely like compounds loneliness and that's funny that you perceive it as an alleviator well you know i think it's partially because i'm addicted to the internet so yeah i, think, I mean everybody is yeah so i think like part of it might be like an illusion of loneliness but it's really just withdrawals yeah damn that's yeah totally Totally. But I definitely feel that too. But at the same time, you know, everybody's on it. Like, people don't call each other on the phone. People interact with each other on Instagram. Yeah. It's true. I just can't yeah. imagine being logged off and being happy because I'd be literally just alone most of the time. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially during COVID. It's like, I, it's funny. I remember at the beginning of COVID, I kind of, like, you started the Discord and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm going to use the internet. The way it's supposed to be which is as this like connector of people and i started leaving like sincere comments on like reddit posts and shit oh my god and i was just like really like trying to like okay i can't see anyone so i'm really gonna like use the internet in this utopian way and um i quickly just like was like nah fuck this dude that's so funny why did you say fuck yeah. this why did you bail um i don't know it just like wasn't i got bored of it or something i don't really know like um it does get a little boring i'm not yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't i also can't really pinpoint when i bailed on it but i definitely was leaving like sincere reddit comments about like my favorite songs and stuff you know <laughs> and it's just like like that is like so not something i would normally do that's hilarious but, dude yeah um uh i joined like um a Discord server full of strangers. Okay, well, this, this like, Taiwanese kid DM'd me on Twitter. Um, like, he, like, lives in Taiwan? Uh, well, he was going to school in America somewhere. Mm -hmm. And he DM'd me, like, hey, do we follow each other on Rate Your Music? And I said, no, I don't have a Rate Your Music account. But your profile looks kind of familiar. But the fact is, I'd never, you know, met him in my life. Mm -hmm. We didn't know each other. Um, but we had an obvious, like, mutual interest in movies and such, and so we just started chatting, you know, just like, okay, I'll, ch you know, chat about movies, mm -hmm. and we ended up becoming friends, <laughs> and, like, That's cool. talking a lot, and then he, um, deleted his internet presence and started a discord server with all of his like f internet friends and so i've just been in there chatting with strangers and like it's really fun because there's no like perception of yourself or like pre uh like you bring none of your like persona to the yeah exactly table outside very, of what's represented online it's very neutral and like that's really no interesting branding and like you can just like I don't know, just be super organic about it without any kind of, like, social, uh, you know, there's no currency and there's no, like, these people are going to want something from me and I'm going to want something from them. There's none of that. It's just purely chatting for fun. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, that that aspect of the internet is so cool. I, I mean, like, I know I said I'd, like, stopped using the internet sincerely, but one interesting thing that's happened is, like, throughout COVID, I have, like, kind of formed these, like, online friendships with people that I that never like I never would have 
formed before. Like, there are just, like, a few people that I, like, chat with all the time now that I have only met, like, a couple times. Yeah. Which feels very much like a product of, you know, COVID isolation. Yeah, I mean, it is cool. I like it. Oh, by the way, these people in that server knew who both of us were. Oh, really? There were people in there that were big fans of Sioux Falls and Strange Ranger. Oh, damn, that's awesome. And Fred even sent one of the guys a Sioux Falls shirt. Really? That's so nice. Yeah. Okay, let's get this guy in here. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Dude, I had this, uh, we've had like hella mice in our house like forever. And um, the, I've like tried placing traps like so many times, you know, and they always just like get the fucking bait off of the, off of the trap. Really? Uh, and get away. But um, mice. I had like a can, a beer can of bacon grease. It was like on the side of the stove, and I just like went to like pour my bacon grease in it the other day, and there was just like a dead mouse. Oh my god! Oh my it god! Just, <laughs> That's it just, crazy. It just like it was so gross. I wish I'd taken a picture of it. But yeah, it like, had like climbed in, and I don't know if it like ate itself to death on bacon grease or. If oh it, my god! Did it drown? I think I think it probably got stuck like in, but it's funny because the grease wasn't it wasn't like high enough to like even cover the mouse mouse's whole body, but I think it just like got its head like stuck in there or something or like maybe it just got its like orifices clogged with grease. That is so fucked up. But yeah, it was crazy. Here, I gotta grab my charger. Okay, dude, I don't miss that shit at all. Rats drowning in bacon grease. Yeah, there really were so many mice and rodent environments and whatnot at that place. Yeah, it's, it's uh, crazy coming here. We only have those little like nymph roaches at night sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, like, do you? What's your place like? Do you live in a building? What floor are you on? I'm on the third floor of like a townhouse style apartment building. So each floor is one apartment, and it's three floors. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, yeah it's a three-bedroom. It's probably about... It might help that you're on the third floor. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like this house is, has a lot of uh, fucking, uh, you know, weaknesses in its, <laughs> in its perimeter. Dude, you got some mail from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, good. Do you want me to do you want me to open it and read it on the pod? <laughs> you know, they do like those handwritten I got a handwritten letter from them before. And it was really sweet. It made me like if I was vulnerable. Um Which I'm I, not. Which yeah. I'm not at all. I have no vulnerabilities. <laughs> I probably would consider joining. Yeah, this one is handwritten as well. Yeah, I don't know how they got my name. They're the ones that think that they've like pinpointed the day that the world is going to end, and then it keeps getting pushed forward. Is yeah. that the Je- is that Jehovah's Witnesses? I'm not sure. I don't Something. know what they. Do. I don't know what they do. Um, uh, I, f- I forget what their deal is. Hang on, I'll be right back. Okay. Damn, I only slept. I slept from. Mm, like nine to one a.m. <laughs> And then I was up for like a few hours. From nine to one. That's crazy. Yeah. That's not. 
And when I was up for a few hours, and then I slept again for another okay. couple hours. I guess 9 to 1 a.m., that's like early bedtime. Yeah. Do you usually go to bed that early? No. Okay. I mean, my sleep is very sporadic. You like Edison style? Yeah, it's Edison style. And um, sometimes it's a little more, like, structured. Mm-hmm. There's a period... Especially at the beginning of quarantine when it was like so stressful and like the protests and like just so much. Yeah. Uh, I was on like a waking up at 9 a.m., staying up all day and then going to bed at like a normal hour. That's the way to be. I don't know if I like it. Because mm-hmm. I just hate feeling tired at all. So if, yeah. I, if I'm a little bit tired, then I take a nap. Damn. See, I get really depressed when I take naps. Like, mm. I don't know. There it is. Fred is showing the cool. Jehovah's Witness letter Jehovah's Witness. addressed to me. Are you recording this? Yeah, it's recording. But, you know, it might not okay. necessarily go on, you know. Okay. Well, this would probably be a good place to start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Check it out. These are the plans for a thing, a structure that I'm going to build. Oh, it looks like a guillotine. Yeah, it kind of does. It's a it's a bike rack. Cool. Cool. How's um your guys' quarantine situation been? Pretty good. This pamphlet is it says, "Can the dead really live again?" Um, I guess we only Would you know. Say, it's multiple choice. Would you say yes, no, or maybe? <laughs> maybe as you can see on the pamphlet the quest, the answers are also questions themselves amazing dude this is crazy actually this is a, a handwritten <laughs> is it handwritten or is that just like font no this is straight up handwritten paper on wow. like notebook paper that's a lot of yeah. text yeah what? hi Jeffrey Do- my name is Solomon, and I am a Bible student of Jehovah's Witnesses. The reason I am writing you is because we all face one common enemy, death, and many have lost loved ones. <laughs> but is that final? No, because God is the creator of life, and he comforts us when loved ones die, and he also gives us real hope of being reunited with our dead loved ones. In the book of John five twenty eight twenty nine, it tells us, Do not be amazed at this, for the hour is coming in which all those in the memorial tombs will hear his voice and come out those who did good things to a resurrection of life and those who practiced vile things to a resurrection of judgment. I hope this letter assures you that death is not final and enclosed is a... a, tracked with more information on can the dead really live again if you have any questions you can contact me or any of jehovah's witnesses for answers at uh jw po box 1163 lansdowne pa 91910050 and may you and your family stay healthy and safe Wow, that's... your neighbor Solomon. Oh man, I wonder where he's at in the neighborhood. I guess I'm gonna have to follow up with them and tell yeah, them that death. Solomon, you, is, is... are you on Discord? Yeah, hey Solomon, are you on Discord? 
do you like, do you want to come on my podcast? There's a. <laughs> I think it is. All, I think it is important in in these times, you know, that we all get to know our neighbors. There's there's a um, yeah, place down the street from me called All Eyes on Egypt, and it's like this Egyptian themed building with these like statues in front of it, and it looks you know entirely out of place. And um, apparently, it's a cult building. And inside is like one bookshelf with Alex Jones books and David Icke books, etc. And you can't actually buy anything. It's just a cult building. And the leader, I guess, has been in prison for the past 10 years for some shit. How do they maintain the, like, who's paying rent? I don't know. I guess probably membership fees or something. Hmm. Yeah, it's like a hotep thing. It's pretty hmm. wild. Interesting. Um, but to you know, we got to talk about the cult of Strange Ranger. Otherwise, we're going to be here all day. Yeah. Um, I do have some other documents. Oh, do you want to read some more <laughs> documents for the for the uh, listeners? Have, uh, the uh, state of California. Oh, that's my birth certificate. Fred is showing my birth certificate on the camera. Certificate you left your birth certificate. At I forgot it. Certificate of live birth. <laughs> I lose my birth certificate constantly. It's like the one thing that I can't keep track of no matter how hard I try. I feel like mine's just at my parents' house. I don't know if I have mine. Hmm. I have mine somewhere. You need it for you know. some stuff. Yeah, sometimes you need it. Um, I don't know when I've needed my birth certificate. I forget um, why I've needed it, but I've definitely I've needed it for like uh, I don't know, maybe like employment related shit or like tax things or like medical <laughs> insurance or something like that. Right, I'm gonna have to ask some questions as if I don't know the answer. Um, <laughs> How tall are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but speaking of being born, were you both born in Montana? That's correct. Actually, no, it's not. That's incorrect. <laughs> um, Fred I'm, was born in Montana. Okay. I was born in uh, Berkeley. Um, what really? And then my yeah, and then my or I guess I don't even I think I was born in San Francisco. I don't actually. Bro. I forget. I was born in Berkeley or Berkeley and San Francisco are different, right? Like I, they're. I was born in yeah. San Francisco too. Oh damn! How did I we feel not like know this? People were born in San Francisco. I was. I mean, I was almost born in San Francisco. Yeah, Fred was almost born there because my family moved to Montana like while my mom was pregnant with me. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I think I was born. I think I was born in a hospital in San Francisco, and my parents lived in Berkeley hmm. for a year and a half, um, and then they moved to Bozeman. Dude, that's that wild. Seems- that seems weird to me that you would pick a hospital in San Francisco. Well, maybe not then. I don't know. I thought... See, I was it, just born, I, like, it just seems like if they were living in Berkeley, you know, like you would want to have a hospital nearby. So like... Well, maybe they know, were living... When you, into, when you go into labor, you don't want to have to like drive across the Bay Bridge. Or at least yeah. I would think not, you know, because that can be a whole... Yeah, I guess I don't know what the timeline is. I know I think that they lived in Berkeley, but... That's so funny. I don't know. Where yeah, that's pretty really. hilarious. I was, born, yeah, I was born in one of the places. I was born Same in shit. San Mateo yeah. Hospital, but my parents lived in San Francisco, and then we moved to Iowa after two years. 
Okay. So kind of similar timeline. Yeah, people have kids and they leave the bay. I guess so. You got to get out of there. And raise your kids right. The records right here. <laughs> what are you looking at, Fred? Uh, I'm looking at your birth certificate. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll say San Mateo. I'm not lying. Place you can check birth, my documents. San Mateo. Yeah. Mills Memorial Hospital in San Mateo. Oh, you're doxing me. Everybody's gonna find me now. <laughs> um. So I mean, Montana for me is like very hard to comprehend what that's even like have you uh, have you not been through i've never been there you know i've seen pictures of you guys there but until then i don't think i've even seen a picture of it um, yeah. yeah i mean is it kind of well, like a I mean, cool place is it like the midwest of the west coast no um no i feel like it's a different, <laughs> <Midwest. laughs> <It's> a different <laughs> <point. What's that laughs> i was gonna say there's, there's there's plenty of uh there are pictures of it in abundance now with uh, all these all these primetime television shows take that place. shot in Canada. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, which one? The big light. Big yeah. Sky the big sky one is shot in, in like, a, like outside of Vancouver or something. Okay. What about Yellowstone? I don't know about that one. Oh, well, it's another one. I don't know how compelling this is to your uh, <laughs> listenership, Jeff. That's okay. I'll edit it. <laughs> Talking I'll do the work. Geography. Did you guys like enjoy Growing up in Bozeman, is that it? Is that the place? Mm-hmm. And w- was there, was it easy to find like-minded people? Because I don't know what the population of that place is. Bozeman is like, like the 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 area or like the town is like thirty thousand, I think maybe well, in like Bozeman, the metro area. The population bigger. of Bozeman is like skyrocketing, so it's like forty some thousand now. Yeah, but it was like. Yeah, probably around the time that we were in high school and stuff, it was probably, I don't know, closer to 30 or, mid, you mm-hmm. know, mid 30s or something. How did you guys I like, like whatever? It doesn't matter. Same shit. Yeah, I liked growing up in Bozeman. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the small town that you're from. So it sucks and you want to leave. But it definitely like I think I was like, especially as I got a little older, like when I was a teenager, I was pretty like aware of um just how cool it is to grow up in you know such a beautiful place um in retrospect you know i wonder like how would my life be different if i had grown up in a city but i definitely am like glad that i grew up where i did i think for sure bozeman i i feel like super lucky to have gotten to grow up in a place like bozeman um because it is just like a really beautiful nice place um and you know there's like yeah the like mountains and wilderness is just like right there the i grew up skiing a lot and the like the ski hill was is like 16 miles from my parents front door you know so like there's um it's like a really good place to be if you like you know going into the mountains and doing shit how Uh, how did you guys get into like alternative music stuff out there were there other kids that were also into that already or I mean, that's kind of how Fred and I became friends because there weren't that many other kids that like were into yeah. that stuff. I was going to say that's like the drawback to growing up in Bozeman is that, yeah, there like wasn't really like much of a scene of like, uh, yeah, I don't know, like alternative or like indie music. Were there really. any emo kids at your middle school? Definitely like scene kids. Really? Yeah, there were like a couple, but it wasn't like, 
Yeah. I mean, we had a Hot Topic in the mall, but I feel like I remember when we got Hot Topic. Like, it was, I don't know, we were probably in middle school or something. And I also wonder what kind of music those kids actually listened to, because they definitely were, like, fashion, like, aesthetic-wise, definitely were, like, classic scene kids, but I guess I don't know for a fact they were, like, listening to Attack Attack, but they probably were. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But Yeah. I don't even know. I I mean, they might have just been listening to, like, Operation Ivy. Well, that was the other cool thing about the internet, you know, growing up, is no matter where you were, you could connect to some sort of culture. Were you guys... Yeah, I wasn't that... I wasn't that online, I feel like. Like, I was... I was on Wikipedia, like, obsessively, but I wasn't, um, like, connecting with, with people. Like, I think certainly not in the way that, like, you always have. Like, you've always been, like, very, um... Like, the connection part of the internet is, like, the... Yeah. You know, something you've yeah. always really participated in. Yeah. Yeah, I actually wasn't online, like, at all, really. I uh, got, like, I didn't even have, I never had MySpace. I didn't uh, I didn't even get a Facebook until I was, like, 18. That's wild. So how so, did like, you guys get into music then? Um, did you go to, like... I, I was, you... this is really lame, but I was on the debate team in high school, and my debate coach was, um, had, like, really cool taste in music. And so, like, he would show me stuff. Um, and then just Wikipedia, honestly, I just like read about bands on Wikipedia and then would then would look them up on like YouTube. Um, and that's how I found out like most, I feel like most of the things I know are about are just a product of like me being on Wikipedia when I was like 16. I feel that for sure. Yeah. I mean, I probably just didn't know about very much like obscure shit until, uh, until I was older, you know, like, uh. I mean, kind of your classic thing. Like, I was I was into, like, classic rock when I was younger. And then, like, I got into, like, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and The Clash and stuff like that. But, um, but you know, all stuff that's, like, not really that hard to find, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember, like, having a subscription to Rolling Stone when that still was, like, a thing. And, like, finding out. I remember finding out about, like, Interpol and Arctic Monkeys and shit like that from shit. Rolling Stone in I don't know in like the mid two thousands. Um, so, at what when did how old were you guys when you met and at what point did you start playing music and decide that you wanted to start a band? Um, I think I was like fourteen when we met Fred. Yeah, something like I mean, it probably would have been. Like I don't know, junior year of high school. Yeah, I feel like so. Yeah, probably. And were you both playing so, like, music already? Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, Fred was. Had you been in like a band, Fred? Or I? Well, I played. I mean, I I played in like school band, you know, or like jazz band. Um, I played the bass in jazz band, and then I jammed. I really like only jammed with other people like a couple times before you and I started playing together. Okay. Uh, I remember uh, jamming with a freaking uh, what's his name? Devin, the kid who's really good at piano. That kid was so good at piano. It was crazy. I jammed with him a few times too. It was insane. He'd come over to my house. And it was just like Dude, wild how good he was. Devin got around with like his piano skills. 
me and August would just do like bass, bass and drum jamming. Yeah, totally. Just like fucking around and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, when we started playing together, that was the first time I was like, you know, in a like rock band, like with songs. Did totally. you start playing together in high school or? Yeah. Because I know that the first Sioux Falls thing that's on Bandcamp is reportedly uh, released in 2012, which would have been after high school. Yeah, our first we graduated in 2010. Our first like like release was um was an EP that we did in 2010 that we have like cleansed from the internet. It's yeah. not there anymore. Oh man, that's super rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's heard that. Um so that was like the summer after high school, I guess we we recorded that and it felt yeah. that was like so exciting and cool. I thought it was so good. <laughs> what was it like? <laughs> Because the odds and ends thing, you know, sounds like you still. Did the mm-hmm. first release from 2010 um, I mean, sound like you? First things, you know, probably still sounds like yeah. us. Um, I, it's funny too, because like we didn't, we didn't find out about like, like anything like emo or like related until after, until we moved to Portland, and so, like. The first thing we released, it has this like very like young, emotional, earnest kind of quality, but it's totally divorced from like you know cap and jazz and and all that. Right. So right. it's kind of weird. It feels like just like it very was, like um yeah. I mean, it was um, more just influenced by like like 2010 like indie music. You yeah, know, like Arcade Fire, kind of. Mm. Arcade Fire, yeah. yeah. I mean, fucking, like, like Avi Buffalo. Yeah, like, totally. Like, like, that shit was, like, really big for us. Dude. And uh, so this has, it's this, like, very, like, young, like, angsty band, thing, but uh, it's very, girl. like, pitchfork. The band Girls, I feel like. We yeah. Were, oh, that one hell, song, Hellhole Rat Race. Yeah. yeah. That shit. And we were definitely into, so like, cool. you know, Built to Spill, Modest Mouse, and that kind of shit. Definitely. So I mean, I mean, the stuff that came after that sounds like that too. But I mean, it just sounds like it wasn't as refined, or you know. Um, Yeah, I think hopefully it got less bad over time. But it probably was is all been pretty similar. uh, Fred knows this, and this is off the record. But Isaac, I talked to Avi Buffalo for the podcast. Whoa! Like about a week before he got canceled. Canceled. Did he? Well, he got like pre-canceled years ago. I know, and I didn't know about that. Damn. And so what I was that was I, he, I worshipped him when I was like, you know, 16. It was a fun conversation. I like I liked the guy, but you could tell something's off with him, you know, you could tell yeah. and especially from the lyrics in some of those songs, he's like a sex weirdo. He's definitely a sex weirdo. And um he was the only person to text me afterwards asking if we could redo it. Huh. Even though it was like perfectly fine. Um huh. that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a pretty fun conversation. He was a little bit like um, acted or like talked to me a little bit in a superior way when I would talk about my own stuff. He would like give me kind of like unsolicited advice that was like felt sort of not condescending necessarily, but like obviously like talking like he's talking to a newbie or something. It was a little bit weird. Huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's not totally surprising. A week after that, you know, he. Um, Wow. Got that really terrible allegation against him, you know? Yeah. 
And I worked with a guy at Pita Pit that claimed to be his old, old rival from Long Beach. This is in like 2011. Weird. <laughs> he claimed that they were like guitar rivals and like everybody knew it. And like Avi got famous, but like I was better than him. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's really cute. Um, okay, so you guys moved to Portland after high school? Yeah. Yeah, in 2011, we like worked for a year. We worked at the same restaurant, the garage, um, to save up for like a year. And then moved in 2011. Speaking of uh, mice problems, I don't know if that earlier conversation is going to make it into the. uh, Yes, sure. Into the the app, but that place (laughs) had had some mice. (laughs) Um, What was the best thing about the the garage? Was there's these two brothers who worked there who were named Nyman, and they referred to each other as Nyman. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome <dude. laughs> it'd be like you know they just like restaurant talk like yo Nyman I, I got four hamburgers and he's like you got it you got it Nyman <laughs> um, so I mean how was the how was it Portland seemed exciting back then yeah I mean it, like a hot spot. It, it took like several years for us to like find friends and in bands that we kind of like um could relate to like musically like we definitely were just slumming it um just like playing stupid shows that we shouldn't have been playing but then we met some friends this band called snow roller um and then it was like awesome for several years it was like so fun because it was like the first time we played you know house shows and it just felt like all of your kind of like childhood fantasies of like being in a band with you know your friends and we're just i thought all the bands were so cool and everybody was like influencing one another and it was just like it was super fun like we didn't go to college but it kind of felt like college or something like the fun parts of college yeah that's sick yeah as we mentioned earlier there was not really like a scene in bozeman to speak of and Uh there wasn't like like i don't know i've met a lot of other kids who are from like I don't know, like around like Pennsylvania or whatever where I live now, who like went to shows as a teen and we like didn't. Mm-hmm. So like that period in Portland was the first time that I was like, you know, going to shows a lot and stuff like that. Did like, you move there? Did you move there with the expectation that you're going to be like dedicated to the band or was it just like we got? Yeah, totally. City? Yeah, it was a. 100% cold and calculated career advancement. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. So you guys, how long were you guys there? Like seven years? Yeah, seven years? Because yeah, we moved in 2018. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you guys released a bunch of stuff there. I didn't realize like how kind of deep the Sioux Falls catalog actually went. Um, so... Oh, yeah, baby. We can't talk about all of it, but was there a point that felt like really substantial artistically or like um, was there any um, notable moments between 2012 and Day Moon? Because I feel like I don't even I don't really know where to touch on between that period, but it feels like. It feels like Lights Off for Danger was like a substantial release for you guys in terms of like sound. Yeah, that was I think the 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 most we'd kind of like realized what we were 
yeah going for at that point that's definitely like in my mind in my mind that's basically our first release you know yeah like, there's like other stuff before that like we said the thing we recorded in bozeman that has been cleansed from the internet but um but yeah i mean that was the first time that we like really yeah big crackle it doesn't feel like zoo falls oh, yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah like that that also feels like i probably should take that down i just like having it <laughs> but uh no i think it, i think it's, yeah i mean i think it sounds like you guys um yeah see that see that one to me still feels like like lights off for danger feels like uh kind of a little more like punk and like kind of like fun and and wild and big crackle feels still sort of like kind of like uh like late 2000s like festival-y pitchforky kind of music Mm. um and i feel like lights off for danger sort of took it into like a more kind of fun but like not like fun in like a a really stupid way fun in like a plain crazy shows way i don't know i feel like it reflects that more than big crackle no yeah i mean mean, that's definitely those songs are definitely the beginning of like when we started playing shows that were cool and fun too so that's kind of i feel like everything before that period i've sort of blocked out of my memory me too it's mostly (laughs) mostly pretty depressing just yeah it's horrible like you know empty like dive bars and stuff like trying to figure out how the fuck to like make friends and yeah we were playing with like garage rock bands that had like everybody in them was like 40 years old. Not oh, that there's God. anything wrong with that, but it just like was not. We were like 18 mm-hmm. and listened to Modest Mouse, and it was just not the right scene. Were you guys touring and like did you have an audience, even if it was small by Lights Off for Danger? Did you have people like coming to your shows for you? Yeah, so in 2014, that was kind of, I feel like when the, the band started kind of going better. Is that is that the year Lights Off for Danger yeah. came out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we, we started doing these West Coast tours with um, our friends in this band, Snow Roller. What's up? 2014? Lights Off came out in 2014? May 2014, so. yeah. According yeah. to Bandcamp. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm sure that's accurate. I, that seems... I mean, that's cool. I thought it was later than that. But, um, but yeah, we were doing these like tours... Um, on the west coast with our friends it was like, the first time we had toured before um and that definitely felt awesome and in just like a huge like watershed event in our lives personally and and musically we were you we know do, we did tours that was like you know nine days with like four shows yeah <laughs> like in like random not even in like the major cities because we couldn't actually book like san francisco but we played arcada eureka yeah arcada <laughs> yeah, and eureka and then have like three days off and a show in santa rosa and then like go drive home <laughs> you know totally. that rules but, and it was just like the hop in the van with your with your friends it was just like yeah. all the coolest parts about being in a band when you're young you know and yeah. it, and i remember that first tour there was a night where like after we played i think in like arcade or eureka or something where we just like went and slept on the beach and we were all like like you know we were like romanticizing it so hard like, yeah. <laughs> like camp out on the beach and stuff and like uh i remember like i slept in the van because like we got there and it was like actually pretty gnarly and there was like nowhere like very chill to sleep it's not in like the beach in like la it's like the beach in like northern california yeah yeah (laughs) so it's like and like yeah that i feel like you know the part where we were is like even it was just like kind of uh 
it's very shrubby kind of yeah lots of shrubs beach um but yeah like i slept in the van and uh and ben like just like collapsed like in a bush and uh, everybody except for the two of us woke up with like bug bite, like horrible like bug bites. Yeah, it looks like everybody had hives. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, Did I have? I don't remember me having them that bad. I don't know. I thought it was like everybody except for like, because like I slept in the van and Ben slept in the place where you were like you're gonna get bitten by something. Yeah, and he was fine. <laughs> I think Nathan got it the worst. I feel like he had like, but yeah. If anybody yeah. tries to yeah, argue like... that Strange Ranger doesn't have road cred. I'm going to direct them to this conversation. <laughs> we definitely have road cred. And, like, nobody was coming to that stuff, you know? Like, it wasn't, uh... Yeah, yeah I guess that was the first time when, like, there were a couple shows where, like, one person there had, like, was, you know, had heard our, our songs. And that was so insane. It yeah. was, like... Because I would read about people, like like a small band like i remember there was this band white fang in portland who was like a big kind of garage rock band but they you know they started off really small and i read an interview with them where they talked about how like yeah like on this tour like a couple of people you know drove to see us and that was like crazy and i was reading that and i was like i can't even conceptualize what yeah. that would be like like that was so fucking crazy and on that tour like a couple people i, I like remember it happening like the first person who um this girl came to see us, I think in like Fullerton. And, um, and I just remember her coming to see us and liking and, you know, knowing our music and then going to the show. And that yeah. was so fucking those are, wild. Those are, I think like the most gratifying moments of like playing of like being of, of like gaining popularity or whatever, where it's like, you're playing these shows, like, you're not you're like not even you're not even breaking even in terms of like finances you're playing shows to like six people or something but you're playing shows to six people that's that are like very far from your home and then there's one person who like drove for like an hour to be there because they like like your shit you know it's like that and that just like felt so yeah just like so insane it always makes me feel a little bit guilty yeah. Yeah, I know. There have been a couple times where it's, it's like, like oh, I, I, I drove two hours to see you. Like, I drove two hours to see you play this show. And it's like, what? I'm I'm sorry, man. <laughs> like, what? I don't have anything to offer you, really. I mean, I guess, yeah, of course, they're not looking Except for anything my art. besides the the performance. But you know, it's like at that point, you don't feel like you have a lot to offer. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um. But. So. You're touring a lot. At some point, you get in touch with Broken World. Is that right? Yeah, I think I think our friends Snow Roller like were doing a release with them, and then I was like, oh. The funny thing is, I uh, I think the really funny thing is I confused them with Run for Cover when I was, you know, I was like you know twenty or twenty one or something, and so I sent I sent our shit to a bunch of labels. And Broken World got back to me, and I thought it—I thought it was Run for Cover getting back to me. Um, <laughs> so, and so psyched! I, I think I like freaked out. I mean, I still would have freaked out just like anybody getting back to us, but yeah. definitely, I was like confused about <laughs> you know what our prospects were. But yeah, so Snow Roller, like I think Snow Roller was putting stuff out, and they were like our best friends. Um, and I sent shit to Broken World, and I guess the first, and they got back to us and said they wanted to put out lights off for Janger, which they never did actually, but 
I think the first thing we did that like split with Snowroller, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. was the first yeah. thing. And that was definitely the first time that like there was any amount of um, like online exposure or whatever you want to call it. Like mm-hmm. that was the first time that like somebody in like Boston like and, listened to our and band. For, and that, for, for people that, really that cool. are listening, Broken World Records was like a early 2010s, mid 2010s. Broken World Media. Broken World Media. It was like a record label. Is like uh wasn't it like connected to the world is a beautiful place yeah yeah it was like one of and their... that whole situation has become like really fucked up with that yeah, label and I, stuff, there, but, um, it was one of the people from that band a handful of the bands that have been on this podcast worked with them and they've never i don't think one single person had a good experience <laughs> yeah it's just it's a sad situation but yeah so we put out that split and then that was like we put out a split in like 2015, mm-hmm. I guess, with Snow Roller, and that was super fun. And we just like kept touring and stuff, like West Coast. We still hadn't been to the East Coast at that point. Um, and then we just did like a, I think we did another split that we like put it ourselves with like three other bands, which was like this band Dana Meyer, this band Robot Boy, and then I think Snow Roller, and that was super fun. And then in this in 2015, we started recording um, Rock Forever with a uh, Matt Thompson. And uh, we did it. Or we did it over like, t- like, ten to fourteen days. I guess we just were going to the studio. Yeah. We just had two weeks booked in the studio. Yeah. Um. I and yeah, we would just record all day. I feel like that album. Like that's the only thing we've ever recorded where we where it was just like everything was like written and arranged, and we just went in and like recorded all the yeah, parts played everything. Done, you know? there's something totally. about it like the length of it is longer than anything that you had done up to that point it feels very yes, much like a statement up until that point it feels like the most most like statement record from you guys did you yeah did, were you thinking of it like that kind of viewed it i think we kind of viewed it that way we were like really stubborn about wanting to put out a like a long record yeah we were definitely Oh, sorry. I was, oh, I was just like in retrospect, is you know, kind of uh, just like dumb and stubborn, but. But I mean, at the same time, it's like I would not do that now. But when you know, when I was like twenty or twenty-one or whatever, um, it I I think we definitely just wanted to release this like crazy, too too long record because the records that we loved growing up were like that, and we just like wanted to do that. Um, yeah. yeah. That's like yeah, I mean, like we were we were lovers of like '90s indie music, a la Montezuma. the CD era, the CD era exactly. Yeah. When they were just like making records, like without any uh, any paying any mind to like how what can, what can fit on an LP. So like there are all these seventy minute records from that era, like the Lonesome Crowded West and shit. Yeah, and, and we just... spent like a pretty long time like arranging everything before we just were practicing a lot and like getting everything set um and it was like clear that it was going to be really long i remember yeah i forget i feel like i was like we were definitely like psyched that it was long. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean when you're in your early 20s playing in a band it's impossible to not want to prove yourself and how artistic you are you know and like everybody wants to either write really progressive songs or release a ton of songs 
Yeah, there's like an element of like shreddiness that even if you're not like shredding, but you're trying to like you're trying to like do as much as you can, mm-hmm. right. and whether that's like emotionally or like you know just artistically or whatever. But you're trying to like because you because ha- it's your first record, so you want to like encapsulate everything that you have enjoyed about or hated or whatever about life and music for like you know 20 years mm-hmm. and and right. i don't know i was i That's definitely felt like, it feels it does feel like there's so much at stake when it's like yeah totally it's like a it's like the only record you have to like represent you and but b yeah it's like you're trying to represent 20 years of your life whereas like the more shit you release you're just like ah oh, this is how i'm feeling now mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. Do you feel like you grew out of that thinking for Daymoon? Um, well, it definitely was like, okay, so we did the record that we'd always wanted to do, and now there's this other record that we've wanted to do also that's a lot like smaller and more intimate. And now that we've done Raw Forever, we don't have to like worry about doing that anymore. Mm. That's how it yeah. felt. I mean, I think that, I mean, Daymoon is still kind of a lot of songs, but like, and I mean, I think Damon honestly would have been longer if it wasn't for the fact that we like had to make it fit on a single LP. Definitely, because we like signed with Tiny Engines at that point and stuff, and we're like, oh shit, we gotta like play by the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How did that yeah, feel I mean, when you signed to Tiny Engines? Were you guys fans of them at that point? Um, like we definitely. <laughs> Actually, <Yeah. laughs> um, we liked like Spirit of the Beehive a lot. Um, yeah i remember like being because i feel like we had always been kind of like resistant to like emo stuff because like we talked about we just like that wasn't really like our our uh experience you know and i feel like for me anyway it's like we weren't like really i never like thought of us as an emo band but then me neither i thought we like modest mouse (laughs) there was just that period of in like 2015 or wherever where it was just like emo revival was in full swing and that was just like if you were in a band then you were an emo band yeah even if you weren't playing emo yeah yeah exactly and i think everybody was sort of self-deluded and like thinking they weren't or most people were like no we're not an emo band um but we really like we listened to like blink 182 but we really didn't and like we you know just because it was around like we would listen to like you know there and there are great you know like like stuff like winter break and stuff and like i mean i love joy's manor but um but like we mostly just listen to modest mouse and so it just uh that's definitely way more who you're emulating and there are like some you know there's some emo twinges to a lot of that early modest mouse you know and oh for sure positive negative and shit like that but i mean yeah that's where i feel like the emo-ness in our music came from was like modest mouse positive negative or like I don't know. Not that we were listening to that much Elliot Smith by that point, or I, I don't remember if we were, but like, uh, you know, that stuff I feel like is like, you know, emo in like the the subjective, but not like part of the emo genre. If that makes sense. So, were you going mm-hmm. for like a conscious sound on Damon? Yeah, definitely. Based yeah. on and not being emo. No, not really based on... Well, I mean, maybe to some extent, because I definitely... I mean, in retrospect, I totally see why people felt Raw Forever has, like, a lot of emo-ness to it. By the time, I was like, fuck that. It's not fucking emo. Now it's like, yeah, I get it. But at the time... um, So I'm sure there was some subconscious reaction against that. But more so, it was just trying to... um, 
I felt like we just wanted to make something that felt like really, um, I mean, I, whenever I talk about Damon, I say the same shit, but like really intimate, like organic, like textured, like I wanted to feel like somebody like whispering into your ear or some shit. Like, mm. um, and so all of there are lots of other musicians that make music like that. So that's what we were listening to then. And it was just a, a different set I mean, of influences. That, yeah. That was like around the time that like the whole Alex G wave of indie rock took off, you know, and like, I think, you know, we were definitely influenced by that and wanted to like make a home recording, like record in our basement rather than like, you know, go make something heavy in the studio. Totally. And like, I think the biggest influence was like the microphones. Mm. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That makes sense. Definitely like glow part two was like, the sort of i would like that album a lot more if it was like recorded better me too like and it's funny because people who like love forever like don't like that or a lot of them don't like don't fuck with daemon or with the vibe or whatever Hmm. but um it's just funny because there are moments on daemon that like would be that could be so heavy if they were like recorded well but we, yeah, we just had no idea we had no idea what we were doing we just like we're not good at recording. <laughs> yeah like, there were some songs on 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 damon that would be heavier than rap forever if they were like, just like recorded well but we mm-hmm. just like, did not would you ever consider re-recording them no 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 Hell i don't yeah. like when people they, do that they are what they are yeah. yeah 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 for me if i like write and record a song i forget it immediately it's like gone you know it's done it's out yeah you have your one shot at it and then it it just is what it is yeah and you're gonna write more songs you know so hopefully who knows how when did you decide it was time to move out of portland um probably like a year before we did we just been there a super long time and it's like I remember being um, being on tour and uh, being like in the Northeast, you know, and like playing like New York, Philly, et cetera. And like <clears throat> just feeling like, oh, I wish we just lived out here. Mm-hmm. It just kind of felt like, I don't know, in terms of like the, just like music scenes and stuff like that, it just kind of like felt like, I don't know. A place where we wanted to be yeah uh, and, and so you you decided on philly and you picked me up along along the way yep. what, <laughs> what i mean there are a lot of reasons to move to philly um what were your guys's thinking i think um, we just like had always liked being here and like playing like there to- I think we wanted to live in New York or Philly, and New York seemed too expensive and scary. Yeah, they seemed more approachable. Mm-hmm. So we're so Philly. Philly it was. Were you guys already? How it all went by? Why um, were those songs? Were you like contractually obligated to do an EP, or was there a reason that those weren't? included on like an lp um well they would have made the record too long the songs were also just aesthetically pretty different mm. um and yeah i guess like there was in we had like an advance from them for that record and like they gave us i think we negotiated some extra for the EP. expand like, advance yeah i forget how that shook out 
But we like wanted to do an EP too, just because we had too many songs and they didn't really fit. Mm, we like to sense. do an EP between between records. Yeah. Uh, I think we've done like EPs between all the all our records, right? Yeah, and I think it started off because like when we were younger, as Modest Mouse is God, and they did that, so that has just kind of like continued right, to be right. our. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's funny that with how it all went by, it was, it was definitely just like a, you know, they're like these are a few songs that don't seem like they fit on the record and they fit together, so they'll be the EP, you know. Right. Yeah, and so the move happened November twenty eighteen. Uh, were you writing remembering the Rockets before you moved? Or we did, had recorded did, it before, yeah. right? Before. Well, what happened is that we moved to Bozeman for like a few weeks mm. to record mm. the record. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least we tracked some of the drums. We tracked the drums yeah, in Portland. Started, yeah, we started some shit in Portland. Um, tracked some drums. Well, yeah, we did pretty much all the drums, right? Because Dylan Howe did a lot of the drums, and then we tracked Nathan playing drums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we went to Bozeman for, what, like a month? And just, like, recorded? Where I think two weeks. Were they there for a month? Three weeks, maybe? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But yeah, we just, uh, yeah, we recorded the bulk of it at my parents' house. Oh, interesting. Um, And then we went to Colorado and worked for, like, a while to save up money. And then, uh, then moved to Philly. Picking weed. Yeah. I heard these stories. Yeah. Not safe for work. Or not safe for the pod. (laughs) It was definitely a Horrible. very intense time. Damn, I can't imagine just working nonstop to save money like that. I mean, you guys are kind of dedicated to this. Like, <laughs> 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 I mean, seriously though. Gotta do, you know. I mean, it's it's true. I think uh, money makes the world go round. I don't know if a, a lot of bands have that, like. Um, um, you know, drive to like just kind of be in a shitty situation to better, you know, put yourself in a better position. But I mean, just like if you want to move, it just takes money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was that shitty of a situation. Actually, it was like yeah, it was a fun adventure. Pretty good opportunity. I mean, it, it's 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 also like you know, pretty a fairly lucrative job for like the amount of time. You know. Yeah. So it was like a good opportunity, but just like in retrospect, it's just like hard. It's a lot harder work than you think it's going to be. It's yeah, and it's like, what else are you doing out there? You're only working and then what? Chilling? Reading a book afterwards? Working and chilling. Yeah, that, I mean, that's exactly it. <laughs> chilling. <laughs> so did you feel... How did you feel about like uh, the reception for remembering the Rockets? Because it was different. You know, it sounded a lot different than the stuff up until then. Um, it mostly felt really cool. Like it seemed like people, or you know, some people yeah. seemed like they really liked it, and that was awesome. And we got to do a bunch of crazy tours that we like never would have imagined being able to do prior. Yeah. That was really awesome and like gratifying and fun. Do you think yeah, it's I mean, like the reception was was mostly pretty dang positive? The uh, there are a few people who just want us to make rock forever again, and uh, don't and don't mind telling us so. 
Did do you feel like do you feel like it's your best album up until this point? Remembering the Rockets? Yeah. I do. Yeah, um I think I yeah, I mean it's really hard to assess cuz the three albums are just a lot they're really different. Mm-hmm. I think we like I definitely at the time we made it, I definitely felt it was our best album. Mm-hmm. Now I definitely cuz but I also had a kind of like more resentful view of Rock Forever at that point, so I was like everybody fucking likes this album like blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um and like they like not and it like would bother me. Now I I feel like a nice feeling towards both of those albums and think that they're both you know cool in different ways and i get why people you know like one but not the other or vice versa or whatever um so what's like in i know you're like still pushing the like electronic and trip hop dream pop type elements what has inspired you guys to like go away from rocking um, I don't know. I just think, you know, as a as you go through the world, you, you know, listen to different stuff and then you want to you know, make different things, you know. Mm-hmm. So it I, it wasn't like a conscious like rock sucks, like no more rock, but uh-huh. maybe like it can become it can like manifest that way when you talk about it or something just cuz that's like an easy way to you know, talk about it but it's for me it's definitely when you know it's like i just like listen to different music and i would rather make music that is similar to what i listen to you know mm-hmm. or it would feel wrong to make music that was super not like the music i listen to how is I the think right that going back so i think even going back to before rap forever it's like we always had uh just kind of approach things as like a, each like record is like a different project you know and we want to do different things with them i guess so it's like like even before we knew what any of the records were going to sound like we knew that they would all be different is the definitely is the writing process different now that you do a lot more electronic stuff the writing process on the new album has been way different for sure okay yeah we've just been like well now it's just like we all basically like hang out with gear and a laptop and just like mess around and like usually like there's like a chord and melody idea like there has been in the past but it's definitely like very things are just getting like yeah. cut up and resampled like a bajillion times it's yeah it's very very free form mm-hmm. it's funny i feel like I'll, I'll like tell people that like we're working on the record this week or whatever and then they'll be like oh nice did you get like a lot of stuff done or like you know or like People like ask the question like, "How's the record coming along?" And I'm just like, "I don't really know." <laughs> like, like I mean, I really like every the way that everything's sounding, but it's just it's so far from being a process where we like have like an agenda and like a checklist. Yeah, to work yeah. With. It's just very it's, like, it's very free form. Yeah, it's we're definitely like making before. It's like the you know it would we would have kind of like an an arrangement you know, yeah. in the abstract that we would then, like, make, and now it's just the arrangement is constantly, like, changing and will continue to change, you know, until we release it. Wow, it's really interesting, because I struggle, maybe it's my own mental block, or, like, I'm psyching myself out, but I struggle to write songs on any instrument aside from guitar and feel happy with them. That's interesting. 
For me, I had grown totally sick of the way I would write songs on guitar, which is part of why I stopped like playing guitar. That you know, hmm. that's that's interesting. That that is the opposite. Yeah, I mean, there was a period where I was sick of guitar years and years ago, but now you know, I just maybe it's just because I'm so much more comfortable on guitar. Like even I'll write something, you know, I could write something on guitar and then just transfer it and change up the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. But if I don't write it on guitar, it feels more kind of like amateur to me. That's like I'm not like I don't have like I'm not at my full power level as a songwriter on any other instrument. Yeah, I understand that. For me, I definitely like just make I make the same like rhythmic and melodic choices when I have a guitar, and when I switch to like a synth or just like producing in Logic, I it it allows me to like make different decisions. Hmm. Um, which I definitely just like get very, very sick of myself musically, like all the time. And so any way that I can like, like randomize like things or just, just make it so like different decisions are being made. Like I always try to do those things. Are you guys on the same page, like songwriting wise with the structure? Cause that's another thing that I always used to struggle with when I wrote with other people is like, you know, I'm like a pop song supremacist and it has to be, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. I mean, you know, deviates a little bit here and there, but it essentially has to have a chorus, you know. Do you guys feel like you're on necessarily saying that that's what you guys are right now, but do you feel like you guys are on the same page as, as like the rules of songwriting? Or do you have any um, rules? I don't know. Like, well, I don't really know what you, like... I don't feel like I like I've ever had much of a like an attachment to like following any rules and so like i don't know generally if like isaac has like a way if something should go i'll be like yeah sure sounds good to me um, but I, I definitely don't feel like things like need to have choruses yeah uh, i think sometimes they should yeah yeah you're not they like consciously considering like, the structure like we... huh? you're not like consciously considering the structure when you guys write together of the song um well we definitely consider we definitely think a lot about the structure of the song but there's not like rules for like Mm. well this song doesn't have a bridge so it needs to have a bridge Mm. it's just more like the structure of the song is like extremely important Mm -hmm. but it's not something that we're like super hardcore about like not deviating from some like preconceived idea about what the structure needs to be if that makes sense yeah i feel like the thing that we do tend to do a lot like is just like have like a song and then like another part of the song that's like different yeah you know what i mean like they'll just be like okay this is mostly the song but then like there's this other thing that sounds cool that we'll just like do do at the end it's funny too i feel like on rough forever that was like that entire album and then the 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 two albums after that were kind of more like um like focused and then this album again is like okay there's you know some singing and shit and then like who knows what's gonna happen hmm. after. yeah totally i feel like with the stuff we're working on now you know, we're, we're, we're like going down that road a lot where the song is like okay so the song mostly goes like this and then this weird thing's gonna happen at the end yeah it's like a yeah. spiritual successor to yeah dude this album is so much like <laughs> rock forever everybody's gonna love it <laughs> but i do think that structurally it is similar to it insofar as like I mean, we'll see how it shakes out, but just like definitely in Rough Forever, they were just like kind of like ex- 
change is happening like mm-hmm. in the song mm-hmm. um and like in the and then then we kind of made more focused things but now we're definitely like fighting with like song length and stuff mm-hmm. in a way that we haven't mm-hmm. since raw forever so we're gonna i mean we're gonna have to make it more focused than it is now but um it's just funny that yeah things are you know it could it could easily spiral into a double album which we're not going to do but like <laughs> the way that it's being written is it's kind of similar to how raw forever was written honestly because that one too we were just like you know arranging not what we were recording but the songs were arranged like you know th- the, just the three of us like like you know one of us would come in with like the the chords and melody and like a verse and a chorus blah 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 but then like the whole like instrumental section would be kind of like up in the air mm. that's kind of what this feels like do you think I think that's accurate do you think living is in philly has influenced the way it sounds or anything like that or not really um that's interesting like it's weird it's so hard to disentangle that from like covid because like when we lived in philly before covid we toured for a lot of that like we i mean maybe if you look at it we weren't gone the whole time but it really feels like we were gone or like preparing we were gone a lot yeah Yeah, Yeah. true um yeah i mean it is the first you know body of work that was correct me if i'm wrong exclusively written outside of portland and outside of the west coast there are a few songs that i wrote when i when we were still in portland but they're in like a way different form now Mm. on this record but yeah most of it was was written after what is the timeline for it do you have any like estimated drops you we're probably going to do an EP and a record. So we'll oh, see. interesting. Because you just did Needing You, a new song. Yep, that was a new song. Would that be on an EP? I think that'll probably go in the EP, I think. That's kind of up in the air. but Yeah, I think timeline-wise, that's like kind of like a weird silver lining to the COVID world, is like this is the first time when we've been making a record i think without any sort of timeline in mind at least like in a long time because it's like i don't know generally you know it's like okay we need to finish recording by this date so we can get it mastered by this date and sent to pressing so we have records for like this tour next fall or whatever mm-hmm. but like that's just not the way the world is right now so it's like i don't know it's kind of cool to be able to just like really like work on things and in, in, in such an open-ended way mm-hmm. um, and not feel like there's a deadline we yeah. recorded we we've we've worked on some of it at our house um and then we spent a week one of tyler's our guitar player's friends like has this house up in upstate new york and um we went and recorded there for a week and got like a ton of shit done and then we're gonna do that again um next month i guess Oh, we're yeah. going back. I feel, like by the, I feel like by the end of January, we'll be pretty close to having like a record. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's epic. We're going to track some drums at the headroom. Hell yeah. yeah. And no, anything happening with like labels or anything? We don't have to put this part on. <clears throat> if there's any um, low-key no. low key discussions. No, we don't have any plans. Yeah. Yeah, I think Fred was mentioning that you might just like do it indie. Yeah, it's very possible. We might, yeah. I mean, we just have to like see what happens, I guess, when uh, when we have a record and see like what the kind of 
the landscape of the music industry looks like you know mm-hmm. just it doesn't feel like like labels are super eager to sign bands at the moment right or i think they're probably eager to sign bands that are like more popular than we are like i feel right. like we're at this like weird point where it's like you know we're not this like sure thing money maker so it's mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a risk to incur if you're going to take us on but yeah we'll see damn well whatever happens i'm excited thanks dude <laughs> and i appreciate you guys finally hopping on here with yeah, me totally, despite yeah. all the setbacks and scheduling no yeah thanks for having us on yeah yeah thanks for it's, sticking it's, to it's it it's a dream come true <laughs> yeah well yeah, it's a privilege for me it's a, it's a privilege <laughs> having overheard you do the pod from your bedroom uh with other people for so long you know yeah so now damn. Finally be i really do miss living with you guys yeah i mean those were those are the good old days you know <laughs> the yeah. denim boys <laughs> the denim boys <laughs> yeah i mean you guys it's really fun. changed that my was life fun, dude that first like couple of months when we were like in Philly and just like yeah that was awesome uh, before that was really COVID exciting. and like I know and like neither of our bands were really doing anything so we were just kind of yeah. like going to show going to shows and just hanging it kind out. of it kind of felt like you know being back in Portland before uh mm-hmm. you know before uh in the early days yeah totally before, yeah before going to the, to the warehouse on Grays oh man. Yeah, those were yeah. awesome. But Isaac's about to move out of Philly. I am moving to NYC. Hell yeah! Fred's getting left in the dust over there. <laughs> behind, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my sister lives in New York, and I'm pretty excited. Um, my friend Jeff lives in New York. Yeah, I don't know who Jeff is. Yeah, dude, I've been uh, change the subject, but I've been. Um, tiling a lot for work and uh i think that i probably like should be wearing gloves when i'm doing it because i think there's like chemicals in the mortar that's like not great for my hands my skin but it's basically like it's uh removing my fingerprints i think whoa my uh my like my phone because my phone and my uh, laptop, like the fingerprint readers, like won't read my fingerprints anymore. Dude, that's, that's so crazy. crazy. <laughs> think about God. the, think about going, the crimes you can off. commit. I know, dude. I'm Do you going think off. there's not like dust lodged in the in your fingerprints or something? I mean, or? I think that's more likely the case. But um, and or or, I don't know. I I think that they'll probably bounce back. But I just it's more fun to think about. Um, burning them off. Is burning them off. Yeah. <laughs> or they're chemically altering your. I'm going. I'm going. Composition of your skin. I'm going. Jason Bourne. Totally. Damn. Well, I guess that's about it. Cool. Unless you guys. Fred, have... when do you want to? Do you want to come over soon to work on shit? Yeah. Um, Let me know when works. We yeah, can talk maybe, in the group too. Maybe like Tuesday. Okay. Cool. I'll text the group. We should do it. I'm like super busy with a bunch of bullshit this weekend, but like next weekend we should like generally I would I would like to work on the weekends more because Monday through Friday is just kind of tough for me lately. Okay. Well I'll talk to I'll talk to Tyler too. All right. Thanks again, guys. Love you both. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Jeff. Great to see you. Thanks, Jeff. Um, Love you guys. Okay. We can um Yeah, let's uh, hang out when we're in NYC. Definitely.